Have you ever wondered what goes on behind the table at a dance competition? Exactly what are the judges looking for anyway? This is Making the Impact, a dance competition podcast. Each week, we'll cover a different topic related to the world of competitive dance from the perspective of the judges behind the table. A quarterback is no good without their running back, tight end, or offensive lineman. Dance may be something you can do alone, but like football, the most exciting and rewarding experiences happen as a team. This week on Making the Impact, we discuss the value of teamwork in the studio and beyond, with tips for teachers to cultivate an atmosphere of camaraderie among students. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Making the Impact. I'm your host, Courtney Ortiz, and I'm here with my co-host, Leslie Mueller. Hey, dance friends and fans. How are you? How's everyone doing? I hope you're doing fabulous and great, and we are mid-season, so I hope you're having a great time at these live events that are happening. Yay for 2021. We are here, and all of the dancers are back dancing on stage, and all of our IDA judges are so happy to be back in action this season at live events, so shout out to all of you. We love you, IDA judges, and all of our IDA-affiliated competitions. I do want to mention, before we jump into the episode, You've heard us talk about IDA's virtual competition and our May solo and group competition is opening registration this week. So if you would love to participate and be a part of this wonderful virtual competition, uh, we'd love to have you. We have really fantastic IDA judges who are providing the best feedback ever. And it's a really great way to compete with dancers from all across the world. It's really awesome to watch dancers from everywhere and really inspiring stuff. So we have a lot of sponsors. We have a lot of prizes. We have cash awards for our overall top 20 challenge winners and a live stream. So definitely check it out and learn more on our website and register soon at impactdanceadjudicators.com slash virtual competition. We'd love to have you join us. And another thing we are super excited about, as usual, is our Facebook group. Yay! We love connecting with you guys on uh, Making the Impact, a dance competition podcast community on Facebook. My favorite thing about it is I love to see all the pictures of everyone competing every weekend. It's just even more special this year to see all your pictures and to see all of your experiences and hear how everybody did just because last year was such a bust. So keep sharing your pictures, keep sharing your experiences, and come join us. If you haven't yet joined us on our Facebook community, it is Making the Impact, a dance competition podcast community on Facebook. You will just enter in a couple of details about yourself and how you're affiliated with the dance world, and you'll be a part of the club. Yeah, join our club. It's a lot of fun. Leslie and I talk on there all the time. We stir the pot with some hot topic questions. And we just love hearing from all of our fans and, you know, different people from the competitive dance world. And a lot of people are learning a lot. And our IDA judges are in there chatting, too. It's a lot of fun. Check it out. Check it out. And you'll also get to see my one of my other favorite things to do is I've been judging for so long. And for a long time, I used Facebook very, very frequently. And I would post, you know, things about my judging experience over the weekend, (laughs) over the years. And I like to take screenshots of those memories, because most of the time it's about songs I want to hear. And (laughs) (laughs) so just take some advice from, you know, Facebook posts of days of yore and do (laughs) dances to, you know, music from the movie Mannequin. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. All right, so we have some wonderful sponsors, and you all, I'm sure, have heard about Level Up Dance Supplies. We love them. They've been with us since season one, and we support them so much. So go check out levelupdancesupplies.com. If you're looking for any dance gear or accessories for the competition season, they have rolling rack duffel bags, they have costume racks, they have privacy tents, 
And they even have these awesome little magnetic buttons that you can attach to your dancewear to secure your number at dance competitions and conventions so you don't have to safety pin it and ruin your dancewear. It's really great. They have so many goodies on their website and they're all extremely affordable and extremely well made. I couldn't recommend them more and I would love for you to go check them out. And by the way, we have an exclusive promo code for our podcast listeners only. And that is Bravo 5678. Use it at checkout and you'll get $10 off your order. So head over to levelupdancesupplies.com to see all of their fabulous supplies and gear for the dance world now. Okay, so today we're talking about teamwork on the podcast, which is such an important topic. And we have two IDA judges joining us today. One is a returning guest, but first I would like to introduce our brand new podcast guest to the pod, who is so wonderful and fabulous. Miss Jill Tremonti, welcome. Hey, it's good to be here. Super happy to have you. Welcome to the podcast. Jill's been on the IDA roster for a few years now and uh, repping up north and is it considered north? Is Detroit considered north? Not really. Michigan's like, <laughs> I think north because like, it's cold. We're the Midwest. Midwest. Yeah. Repping the Midwest <laughs> up in Michigan. Super excited to have you out judging for IDA again this season. So yeah, we're um, loving feel it so far. F- yeah, and we're here in 2021. The season is in full swing. So, Jill, if you wouldn't mind sharing with the listeners a little bit about you, who you are, where you're based, any credits and teaching sure. credentials, and get a, let us good. know a little bit more about you. <laughs> All the good stuff. Um, so I grew up, obviously, in Metro Detroit. I started dancing when I was two and a half after my mom went through uh, three baseball players and finally got a girl. and so she put me in dance class and it was love at first tondu i started competing when i was five i started teaching in 2002 i started running competition teams when i in 2005 so when i just started college i've ran a handful of competition teams across the state as i gradually moved my way from metro detroit to the northern part of the lower peninsula and I have been running um, dance studios since 2010. So dance and leadership is in my blood. While I've been doing that professionally in my adult life, I also have worked for nonprofit organizations, mostly teaching them how to recruit volunteers and how to train those volunteers to be mentors, which involves a lot of leadership and teamwork development. So this is kind of my sweet spot. Yes. Nice. Sounds like it. It's perfect. Yeah. I'm so excited to have you on this topic. Thank you. Yay. Well, welcome, Jill. And next guest is a returning guest, like I mentioned, and you may remember her from our most listened to episode ever on the pod. And we have a lot of episodes, y'all. <laughs> We're going back to season one, episode four, lyrical versus contemporary. Miss Christina Fischetto is joining us again. Welcome back. Thanks, Courtney, for the introduction. So excited to be back. As you mentioned, I am on season one, episode four, <laughs> Lyrical versus Contemporary. And if you haven't gone and taken a listen to it, I do highly recommend it. It has some really great information. And I know already I've seen so many dancers being put in the wrong categories out mm-hmm. in competition world. So right? We want you to succeed. And the best way you're going to succeed is if you're placed in the right category. So definitely go take that listen. 
there and listen to all that great information. So as Courtney mentioned, I'm Christina. I'm originally from New York. I grew up competing and training on the East Coast. I currently am based on the West Coast out in San Diego. I've been out here for about five years. The last 15 years, I've been working professionally as a dancer with Norwegian Cruise Lines, touring nationally and internationally. Um, I've worked for Legends in Concert, RWS Entertainment. I recently, before the pandemic shut, shut down, was transitioning transitioning into choreography and teaching professionals more. I'm working as a rehearsal director for Dublin Worldwide Productions. But right now, as we are still in shutdown mode in the professional dance world, I am teaching a lot. I teach out here and in between all of my contracts, I've always gone and taught at studios from rec students to competitive students and always have stressed the team aspect, right? If we don't work together, we don't succeed. So I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Super excited to have you back. Thanks for joining us. Yay. Awesome. Well, I'm, I love I love meeting all of you all the time here on the podcast. I already knew Christina previously personally, but Jill, it's so nice to have you here and to have both of you kind of actively involved in generating teamwork among the people that you work with and the people that you teach. So I think we're going to have a great episode today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. So let's just get started with something really basic, and we can just kind of spitball a little bit. But what does teamwork look like in the studio? To me, in in my studio, teamwork isn't just for my students. It's a big part of how I shape our programming. But really, teamwork also boils down to my relationship with their caretakers, their moms, their dads, their grandmas, their grandpas, and just paying attention to conversations I really think it's important for me as the studio director to be keeping tabs on what's happening in people's lives because that the conflict resolution aspect of what I do as a studio owner and running competition teams, you know, I have to be able to get people in on the same plane. And that to me is where your teamwork starts to grow. A hundred percent. I agree with Jill. And just even going further with that, I think once then you get into the studio and you're with the students, I think for me, that teamwork looks like, right, if we all have clean single turns, but, you know, Susie in the corner is doing double turns because hers are clean or triple turns, <laughs> that's not teamwork, right? Teamwork is us all, again, getting on that same plane, that same level, because, right, we have to work together. So maybe we should, Susie should be going over and helping little Janet with her pirouette, right? Saying, oh, you know, Maybe and giving her a tip that maybe we've worked on in class that I've stressed a lot. So I think also teamwork is is that and helping each other. Well, and when yeah. you start talking about the interpersonal relationships with students, building the trust and the communication from day one when they step in and maintaining that is so crucial, in my opinion, because Susie might have her single and working towards her double. But if Sally comes over and is like, oh, but you're doing it wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Then we have conflict. So how are we preparing these students ahead of time when they're, you know, six years old walking in, three years old walking in and saying, here, we're a family. Here, we talk about our problems. There's structure outside of just your ballet class or your tap class or whatever it is that you're taking or all this competition touring that you're doing. We have to be able to talk about ego. We have to be able to talk Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. humility. We have to be able to talk about conflict resolution. like. I have spent more time 
focusing on that than much anything else cons- consistently across the board, just to keep mm-hmm. things together and progressing towards a mission of teaching young people how to be team players. Totally. Right. And that's something we talk about a lot on here is, you know, dance teachers do so much more than just teach shuffle hop step. Mm -hmm. You know, you were teaching these people how to be good human beings and good Mm -hmm. team players and good employees and good friends and all of these things. And so like, I think we've literally said this in like the past three episodes, dance teachers, here is another thing for you to do. (laughs) Here's just another thing to put on on your plate. plate, Yeah. Um, Right. Because like you said, Jill, I mean, the teamwork aspect not only speaks to students in a classroom and on a dance team or dance company, but it's the leadership, it's the teachers, it's the people engaging, you know, at your front desk and trying to make sure everybody involved is on the same team and working towards that same goal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, dance lessons are life lessons. We've said Uh this on the pod before as well. So what we are learning and teaching our dancers in class coming from the teacher is going to help them progress through life and understand Uh how to compromise and understand how to drop the ego, hopefully, if Mm -hmm. when that's needed and, you know, be that team player that any job is going to look for when hiring someone once they are adults, because the time will come, you know, we will all graduate on to the real world eventually and the (laughs) adult life. And we need to know that's one of the requirements for any job when you apply, even if you're not a dancer. And you go and apply for a job on Indeed or something, which the kids listening are like, what's that? But, you know, if you're looking for a real job, like that's something that is a qualification that, or something that that employer is seeking. Are you a team player? Right. And when they call your referral and, find, and ask them, hey, how are they to work with? Were they, easy to, were they easygoing? Were they reliable? Were they consistent? Were they a team player? That's going to come up. So I think mm-hmm. that what we're learning in the classroom is really important and is going to take us into our adult life as well. Well, and when you're talking about the the transition rate of young people, you know, say this studio that I have, maybe on a fantastic trajectory of a decade, I'm going to get about 12% of my students into connected to a professional job beyond dancing in school during their school age years. So that other what 88% of kids this is their place to learn those soft skills that they'll transition into their professional career. You know, th- just mm-hmm. like their brothers might learn on the football team or the soccer team. Right. We have we have the same responsibility to these kids to teach them. Okay, so this is your peer. You have to mold your conversations certain ways, or you should be mindful of how you're interacting with these people. And how do you rely on other people? How do you trust that other people are going to back you up? And how do you show up to be a person who is trustworthy? I believe in that so stinking hard, like (laughs) so hard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking about something as simple as, you know, with this new block scheduling that we have at competition, if you didn't know how to do a quick change before, every single dancer ever is going to have to learn how to do a quick change Mm -hmm. now. There's no getting around it. (laughs) And an example of teamwork is if... We love Sally and Susie here on yeah. the podcast. So Susie's thanks, back. thanks, Christina, for bringing up Susie. <laughs> if Sally is over here making a quick change and Susie doesn't have one, teamwork is helping her, not standing there and right. staring at her or going about your business. Like, no, you need to help your friend. You need to, yep. you know, fasten her her 
costume piece or whatever. Like that's teamwork. And that's something so simple and so basic that you do learn in uh, in a situation like a dance studio. Well, even going out, being out in the field judging, you know, when you see a girl who's got her skirt tucked into her tights in a group, I will say on their feedback, like, oh, it looks like Sally Sue has her skirt tucked in. Teammates, we need to make sure that we're all giving each other a once over or the hair tie on the wrist situation or Mm -hmm. the lipstick reapplication. Just those little tidbits. And I'll talk about that in their feedback. You know, this is also, it's not just their responsibility. You got to take care of each other. Yeah, the team. Right. Well, Courtney, I'm sure on the cruise ship, I probably fastened your bra at some point. You know what I mean? I probably, you know, help each other. Made sure that stupid mirror from that one mirror costume wasn't stuck on your tights. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You help each other out. There's always something. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, those are are perfect examples. For sure. It's just, you know, we all succeed together. If Mm -hmm. one doesn't succeed, then we all fail. Right. I want to bring up an example of teamwork that I witnessed earlier in this season. I was judging over here on the East Coast. You know, there's, I mean, everywhere is different as far as restrictions and things. But on the East Coast, especially in like Massachusetts, they're very tight with their restrictions, especially for the past few months. And one of our IDA affiliated competitions, Diva Dance Competition, has created this wonderful in-studio live competition experience where we they bring the competition to your dance studio. It's awesome. And uh, I was fortunate enough to be judging one of their in-studio events and the dancers uh, hit the stage. You know, it was, it was just the same studio the whole time and they figured out their own schedule so they could have their quick changes and whatever they need. And this gorgeous contemporary routine comes up. And there's a lead in the routine. She's in like all white. She has on red gloves. Like she's just a standout. And this dancer was beautiful. And her stage presence was stunning. And the dance, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was true art on stage, flawless. I mean, of course, there's always things we can fix. But either way, I was just taken on a journey. And I was just so captivated by this lead the whole time. Afterwards, on a judge's break, I found out that that lead was the understudy. Wow. And that lead got thrown in literally like, hours before because the usual lead had to quarantine due to a COVID exposure. So it was, a, it was, my jaw was on the floor because as a judge, I didn't know that at the time. But in my critique, I said, wow, like, oh my God, lead, I couldn't take my eyes off of you. And just knowing how much that probably meant to that dancer with me not knowing that I'm like, I'm giving her praise, not knowing she's the understudy. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh, that probably made her day. And this girl just jumped in and stepped in for the team. And I think like understudies are a perfect example of teamwork because you have to know your stuff like like the back of your hand because you don't know when someone's going to get injured. You don't know when you're going to have to be thrown in. Same with like a swing, which doesn't really exist much like in the competitive world, but very much so in the professional world. But even just having a backup plan for what do we do as a team when someone's out, that's teamwork. And this was just such a a beautiful example of that. And I think that's the goal with teamwork in in a situation like that where it's unexpected. You don't want the judges to know that there's something going on. You step together as a team and make it work. And, And in this example, they very much did. So what have you guys had any real life examples of repercussions of a lack of teamwork within people that you've been working with? in your studios, because I think, I think that is, you know, when you hear a story of something crumbling, Mm. that really gives you so much more 
drive, yeah, to yeah. to make that never happen again. <laughs> right. For sure. I know for me, especially it's interesting because especially when I was on the East Coast, I would go into a studio and out and I would teach maybe for, you know, like a couple weeks, setting your number, leave. So whenever I walked in the room, the kids were always really working hard together. And I wasn't aware of what was happening behind the scenes, so to say, because when I walked in, it was like game time. But I, there was a moment where we were rehearsing a piece and the lift wasn't working and it didn't make sense to me why. And I was speaking to my colleague, another teacher, and she said, well, you know, we'll use Susie and Sally are having a disagreement and they're not talking at all. And I had no idea. And then I went to realize, well, this is why this isn't working. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, did I put something in it where it's not? Did I tell them to hold their hand the wrong way? Their foot placement. I'm looking at the lift and like everything's working. So what is it? And it was that internal, right? That anger or whatever that they were having the issue that was affecting it. Again, as an outside choreographer coming in, wasn't able to recognize what was happening. And from that experience, I learned now, no matter who it is, whether I've met them one day or I've worked with them forever, before we start now, I always sit down and we kind of talk about what's going on and check in with them, especially with the pandemic. Now, when I go to teach, I'm always like, how was your day? How's everything going? We just take like five minutes to check in with each other. Because I feel like a lot of times I always get in the studio and we're like, go, 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 you know, let's, let's move forward. But I think especially now it's really important to check in with the dancers. So that's my experience. Well, and those kinds of issues, it it boils down to trust. You have to trust your team or team specific teammate to lift you off of the ground. It it doesn't really, it's not going to matter how much you want to accomplish the lift as the dancer. If you have a subconscious block up here because you guys got in a fight a week ago and you're still stewing, that's our roadblock. And so we have to fix that problem before you're going to trust that this person's going to get you off the ground or you're going to want to be fully committed to getting that person off the ground. I have had issues in my studios where I've had to rectify on a large scale too, just infighting between the kids. You know, when you're talking about level progression and Sally gets promoted before Susie or, and there's tension there, or you're talking about who gets a lead role, who didn't get the lead role. Why did they get the lead role? And, you know, and I really think too, young people nowadays in this comparison culture that they exist in, everything that they, every opportunity that they're not given is seen as a slight and Mm -hmm. navigating that as their coach as their leader is like, this isn't your opportunity isn't yet it is coming, but this is Mm. for somebody else. And that's how like working backwards when there's issues, trying to level out that playing field of, you know, has everybody experienced at one point feeling like they're not a good enough dancer? Raise your Mm -hmm. hand. Every hand in that room is going to go up. Have you felt like somebody was talking about you in the studio? Raise your hand. Every hand goes up. You know, and and then getting to the truth, you know, there's always my brother would always say there's always three sides of every story. It's your story, their story and the truth. And I have found in those scenarios that I have to be the truth seeker. And sometimes you have to say, you know, and actually, now that I think about this, I have had my own personal experience. And she's we my best friend and I grew up dancing. 
on a competition team together. We're still best friends to this day. We're planning a trip to Myrtle Beach <laughs> right now. Yes. Yes. So like <laughs> it's 30 years of friendship, right? There is a period of time when we were teens or preteens, really, that she we were rehearsing solos and she thought I was off in the corner talking smack about her. When really I was just like, look how amazing my best friend is. And so it's that interpretation mm. sometimes right. that you have to re-explain for them. You know, and they're, they're teens, they're kids. They don't always fully understand, one, how they present, what their actions or choices look like for other people. And yeah. two you know, being offended and being defensive, you know, how do you help them navigate that? That's really where that conflict resolution comes into play. And you have to rebuild that trust. If you don't have trust, and you don't have communication, you don't have teamwork. I remember a very, very clearly and specifically in my head, my eighth grade cheerleading competition. You I was cheerleading? the Oh, yeah, I was the captain. Please. <laughs> How did I not know this? I didn't know you played the clarinet. I know. That's why like, we're both having like middle school realizations about each other. Yes. I was the captain of my eighth yes. grade cheerleading squad. However, I don't know why I was. I think I was the captain because they, everybody else knew I was a good leader and a good, good dancer, really. I mean, I was a fine cheerleader, but I was a better dancer. But because I'm, I was so small, I was the main fly. But everybody on that squad was a popular girl. And I was not a popular girl. And even though I was the head cheerleader, but we would, we were stunting. And I was, I was like, these girls don't like me. They are popular and I am not, and they are going to drop me. And that was my belief. And we had a terrible, terrible competition season. I mean, we weren't good. We were just like middle school cheerleaders for the football team. You know, we weren't competitive about it, but we did go to a competition. And like that memory is seared into my brain of believing that these people didn't like me. And because of that, they were going to drop me. And if you do not, if that trust is gone, yeah. you will have a failing season. You will have a failed situation. And nobody, you know, at that point recognized that that was the problem. And I, we were all just mad at each other. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was, and it was a nasty eighth grade, 13 year old disaster, but that still happens, you know? Yeah. Like life isn't a solo ever, really. Like when you get into the competition world, you might have a solo, but that's <laughs> not, that's not the end all be all the you're on a competition team, most right. likely unless you're an independent, like, yes, we all have to look out for ourselves at times. But when it's time to walk on stage with your small group, you are a team in that moment. And you we have to remember to put any issues, any egos, mm -hmm. any, you know, confrontation and arguments or whatever's going on in your head, aside to step up for our team. And I think like we've kind of mentioned, it is hard as a teenager to understand how to really take that away. Mm -hmm. I mean, even as a professional, I can say that you're not always going to love everyone you work with or everyone that you have to partner with right. or, you know, and like you want to trust people. You do, I, I, you know, but at the same time, like you just got to step up for the team and get the job done. And that's what it really comes down to. And it, it is really sad to hear, you know, stories like that. And I'm sure so many dancers mm -hmm. can relate to your story, Leslie. Like, you know, uh, same with the lift. I mean, it really does come down to trust. But we have to make sure that we're all working as a team because you're also letting your your teachers down, your your parents down who are investing a lot of money in this. It's not a hobby. This is like your job, you know, like as a dancer, you 
you're in the studio all the time. If you're going to put a little like argument and fight in the way of nailing this lift with your friend on stage, like, come on, we have to make sure we're, we're really looking at the team as a whole. So we don't let anybody down. Preach, sister. Preach. Yeah. And I think, Jill, what you were talking about with like building the trust within the hierarchy of your studio and like that was that was what was missing for me in my cheerleading scenario was that I did not trust even our coach to go to the coach to say anything about it Mm. because I just didn't I didn't I don't even know that I thought that was an option. Mm. I don't even know if I realized it was a trust issue at the time. But like, it just didn't feel like a safe place to say, hey, coach, I I really personally don't feel like these girls like me. And I think they're going to drop me and like that could have opened up a conversation. But, you know, so within a a studio structure, like the kids have to be able to trust you as the teacher to be comfortable, you know, that's where I think sometimes the breakdown happens. That's where the breakdown happens is if if the leadership isn't hasn't created an atmosphere of trust, Mm -hmm. then it can't trickle down for the kids to trust. Right. So Christina's point of checking in with the kids, and that is a huge part, in my opinion, about building trust. Yeah, they're going to come in and get to the bar and start with their plenies and stuff. But in this might just be me, I can tell the kind of day a kid is having by the way they enter the space. And if all of them are entering the space with their shoulders down, looking at the floor and just scuffling on over we're going to wait five minutes and chat and just check in. I've had a whole class a couple times teaching advanced ballet. I've had entire class of 16 and 17 year olds who did not give any care about what was happening at the bar because they're so stressed about the amount of homework that they have to do and the exams coming up. So at what point do I then say, okay, guys, like I'm trying to get you to do these exercises in this particular way. And you're not even listening to me. One, as a teacher, I have to be in touch with them, right? I have to know what their baseline is first. Two, as soon as I say that, of course, I get doe eyes. You know, they don't want to mm-hmm. say to their ballet teacher, oh, I'm having the worst day ever. You know, they don't, right. They there's a fear there, but saying like, I can tell that you're upset about something. So let's just get out with it. And it turns out, you know, they're stressed about school. They're stressed about homework. Okay. Did you got, do you all have your books here? Did you bring your books straight from school? Okay. You got a 30 minutes of ballet class. Sit down, do some homework, get it off your chest. We're going to get back to dance after that. I sent all their mom's messages like, Hey, you know, they might have a weird story about ballet class today that they did some (laughs) of their homework. Like I, at that point I wasn't getting through to them. Right. Right. And it, that improved our relationship. So in the future, when we were having conflicts arising, there's still there's that level of communication. Like I I can see you. <laughs> I can see right. that something is not right. Right. Talk to me. And you know, when you can kind of go along with the students in their lives and keep in touch with them in that sense of, you know, being on their level, they're willing to talk to you more about things. And then you hear about all the boy drama and <laughs> Right. It becomes a whole new relationship. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I I yeah, I love that, Jill. Yeah. I feel like you know, and I'm sure you can all relate, but growing up, I mean, I would get home and I was doing homework at, you know, 1030 at night mm-hmm. because I've been at dance for, you know, six hours. And I had zero relationship with my, any of my teachers. It was, you went there, you danced, you left. That mm-hmm. that was it. There was no type of community 
And I do think that, I mean, I think we all turned out all right. But <laughs> that being said, I think this generation is more vulnerable and because of social media, there's right. so much yeah. more going on. And I think for me, when I first started teaching, I had that mentality of this is what they're paying for. They're mm-hmm. paying for an hour class. I'm here to teach. Right. I'm going right. to give them the full hour. <laughs> right. Exactly. But and I think there was also that maybe that fear of, okay, well, Sally's mom's going to come after me and start, right. her, you know, getting angry. And I think, though, what Jill said is so important. And again, I think it really did start to, at least for me, more of that check-in and being more aware when we went to Zoom, because it's a lot harder to dance on Zoom for an hour than when you're in the classroom, as you know, especially when we first started. It's like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, like we've only been like 10 minutes in and it feels like it's been an hour. <laughs> And so just checking in with the kids in the beginning has, and and at the end, and maybe sharing something about their day had really helped. And then once we went back into the classroom, we continued that. And I think it's really necessary because there is a lot going on. And there are a lot of kids that are having depression. And that's completely normal right now, considering Mm -hmm. our state of the world. So I think having those conversations with them and being another mentor and someone who's like a parent is is really important. And that's a role that we do need to take on. Yeah. Well, I think building building a community inside of a physical space like a dance studio, it happens. You can see body language. You can see the nonverbal cues. You can read the room. Teaching community, building community through a computer screen. Are you kidding Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. I know people that have their doctorates in developing online systems and learning programs, and that is their number one issue that they're coming up against is people trying to learn something and do something highly stressful in an electronic environment. Mm -hmm. It does not work. You have to have that community. It's it's Zoom is hard. Zoom is a blessing and a curse. Yeah. It got us through. It's but, like the best worst option, you know, it's, it's yeah. all we have, but it's, you know, and hopefully, hopefully at least, at least things like dance and theater and activities that are better served with an actual physical community can be- get back to doing that. Like I do think, right. you know, some things totally fine. Let's, let's do this right here on, on Zoom. It's fine. But a lot of things really need that in-person connection yeah. to make the team work happen. I mean, mm-hmm. Well, and I don't know about you guys, but I, when I was younger, I didn't do any other sport. I didn't have any, right. any right. other athletic skills. I was dancing or I was standing there waiting to dance, you know? <laughs> so it wasn't like I could go outside and say to my friends, like, let's shoot hoops or let's go right. down. Right. And so I think about those kids who were much like yeah. me having to go through this. I would have been miserable. I, I would have been dancing in my front yard every single day, teaching yeah, right. my neighbors how to do fifth position. <laughs> you know, like it, I can't even imagine what that's been like for them. Yeah. Hey, listeners. Do you want your dancer to stay safe and socially distanced this season at competition during all of those quick changes? Well, look no further than Level Up Dance Supplies. Introducing the Changing Room Tent. The Changing Room sets up and folds up in seconds with no assembly required. It's large enough for up to two dancers plus any brand of dance bag with room to spare, yet it's small enough to set up anywhere and everywhere, inside or outside. The changing room is essential for any dance family seeking portability and privacy this season. Head on over to levelupdancesupplies.com to purchase your changing room tent now and use our exclusive promo code 
BRAVO5678 at checkout for $10 off. And now let's get back to the show. Well, the good news is, is it seems like, and I mean, I'm not speaking for everywhere in the country or the world, but it seems like there are a lot of studios who are able to be in person and a lot of competition teams that are able to compete with the team in person this season, which is really great. And I'm really happy and so pumped about. So congrats to all of you who've been able to hit the stage, even if that means it's in block scheduling, or even if that means that you have to wear a mask, or even if that means that awards are live streamed. You know, it's not going to be the same experience, but we have to look at the the positive and the fact that we're back, you know, we're back in in a new way and we're back with our team. And we've talked about so many ways that that's important and why we need that. I'm, I'm curious to hear a few more examples of teamwork that you've seen in the competitive dance world. I know like I briefly mentioned the understudy situation or a quick change that Leslie mentioned. Are there any other things that we've witnessed as judges while watching competition happen on stage, maybe mid-routine? Or other things that happen behind the scenes from the teacher's side that you've seen um, teamwork being executed at competition? For me, what I've seen as a teacher backstage is before even having to tell them, okay, time to warm up, they'll all as a team get together. Let's go over this choreography. Let's make sure that we nail this before we get on stage. Let's make sure that we are all prepared. Check the lipstick, check the hair, check the costume. Helping each other if someone did have a quick change and now we're, we're getting ready. And I've seen it from that, that aspect. As a judge, I actually saw something recently, which I don't really know that it's teamwork, but or that they should have done it on stage. <laughs> but there was a number, it was a tap number. And there was a dancer in it who was really struggling, who was in the back. And you can see they were about to lose it. Mm. And the dancer next to them saw that and stopped mid-dance and gave them a hug, which I kind of was like, whoa. Well, one, I think maybe we're not ready for competition. Right. That's a whole nother podcast episode, I'm sure. Um, But two, I looked at it as in that moment, the team and that came before a placement or a trophy or – yeah just to make sure that that dancer was okay. And mm. then they kept tapping. So <laughs> it worked. Yeah, they just needed that. That's, that's the sweetest thing I've ever heard. That is so sweet. My heart would have melted. <laughs> but like you said, you're like, I don't know if they should have done that. Was this the smartest move on stage? Right. Right. Do I take points off for the hug and the stop of the choreography? <laughs> but that's so sweet. Oh, I love that. I think for me, what I have seen from the judging table is because of the block scheduling, this, the studio staff is backstage the entire time. The kids who aren't with, they're not in the quick change, or if the studio just doesn't have a ton of numbers, they're standing backstage. They're watching, they're rooting each other on. It's, there hasn't been this, you know, the, the noise coming so much from the audience. And I think that the kids are feeling that loss when they're on stage. And I've seen them supplementing that for one another. Cause you know, as performers, we feed off that energy. And so like just watching them instinctually know like, okay, she's about to do her quad on the left. Like if she Mm -hmm. nails this, I'm going to lose my brain. 
Marines, you know, just like <laughs> so excited to see each other succeed. And on top of that, I think the level of appreciation that I have seen in competition dancers and even for myself, just to see dance in, in real life. That is not, yeah. you know, I love my students, but it's not my students. It's other people's choreography. It's other people's ideas. It's these kids dancing their hearts out. Like to that appreciation, I think really has been feeding into their capability to come together as a team because they know that it's precious, right? They right. know yeah. that this is a special moment in time and we have to appreciate it because like in an instant, it could be gone. And so yeah. I think that's been a really big lesson that I've seen them, you know, watching their buddies from backstage with their eyes just glued, which you didn't really see before. Yeah, because there's so many moving parts, there's so many things, different sessions, whatever, Mm -hmm. not everyone's here, you know. I think that the block scheduling does bring the team back together as a whole. And it is that is nice to have every single dancer all together and hearing all their adjudications out of words all together. And Right. You yes. know, like mini recitals, but it, it does make it very special for the teams all together, you know, and not spread out through the whole weekend. I, I do Absolutely. really like that as a positive for the block scheduling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've even block seen scheduling forever. Forever. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, people are people who are still haven't maybe been to a block scheduled competition are continually asking on the forums on on Facebook, you know, well, what can we do to make our to make this more fun and more energetic and more exciting for our kids because it's only us. And everybody that I've seen recently, they are hype. It is just their yeah. one studio. They yeah. are so excited. Like, it's just, it's been really great. Like, because, you know, a lot of the times we get on stage at awards and like, there's a studio who's super excited and everybody else is just sitting there. Right. You know? And I'm yeah. like, get up, get excited. But these, every time everybody is excited this time. So. Well, and it's I'm like the difference between a marathon and a sprint. Right. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. the sprint is fast. The sprint is hot. It's quick. Like it yep. is. You are living in the moment. A marathon. You're there. You are spent by the end of the weekend. <laughs> you're spent by the second award ceremony. You know, right. you just <laughs> right. have to keep up with so much. Yeah, I'm thinking of another example of that I, of teamwork that I've seen on stage, and I I do really love the understudy reference. But another one that. As far as like on stage a competition is when a prop drops or like a, a costume piece falls off or something like that. I feel like everyone's in a panic. Like, what do we do? Right. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Do we leave it? Do we move it? Can I touch it? You know, like that. And I think we're going to have a prop discussion uh, episode in season three, which I'm excited about. You cannot but- wait to listen to that. <laughs> But I feel like that's just like the age old question, like, what do we do when something falls off? And I mm-hmm. feel like the majority answer is leave it. But I feel like that I I learned the opposite. My first professional job with Leslie. Right. And I will never forget our dance captain. And we had this one dance where we had every prop in the book and a little fanny pack that we had oh, to wear and, and oh, hide behind our back. And like, it was just tragic. <laughs> there was a hat. There was a scarf. There was a tambourine. There were, there gloves. were gloves. Two sets of gloves. They were like double gloved. Oh, God. It was, was a lot. A cane probably. <laughs> and like, that was like my, I mean, I used props in c- competitive dance prior to, I mean, literally I stepped out of my competition studio and went to my first professional job. So like, this was my first professional experience of props. And I, I thought that, like, if I dropped my glove, I leave it. And my dance captain was like, someone better pick that glove up. Yep. The moment you get near that glove, you better pick it up. It I is your glove it is. now. Yes. Like, <laughs> get it off the stage. 
Mm-hmm. And that is what I live by m- moving into my professional yeah. world and what I expect on the competitive stage too. So like, as a team, if someone's hairpiece falls off or something and it's right smack in on the center of the stage, if you're literally standing next to it, if you know what comes next in your choreography and you have a chance to pick it up, grab and pick it up. Chuck right. that thing off stage. Or if yep. you know that you're making an exit off stage shortly, grab that hairpiece and get it. You know, like our our team should be trying to figure out. I mean, don't like forget the choreography and like go out of your don't, way. Don't to run get over out there and get it. Get yeah. it. Right. <laughs> but if you're standing near a prop that is not supposed to be there or anything for that matter, that is littering the stage. That it, it actually is more of a safety issue because then you could be like turning on something that is unsafe or someone's about to do a pass, they could land on it. You know what I mean? So as much as as we as teachers say, just leave it and keep going, that's not always the case. And mm-hmm. I feel like I've seen a lot of, of, of dancers figure out, like there was a time when someone's hat fell off and there were dancers dancing right next to the hat. <laughs> and on my critique, I'm just like, Someone please pick up the hat, please. I want you to pick the hat up because it's such a distraction too. And I think that we're just, you know, so as a team, I'm letting you know, like, you're allowed to pick it up. You're allowed, Mm -hmm. if you are near it, pick it up. If someone else is near it, get it all away. Like, I think that's another teamwork moment. It is your prop now. It's your prop. Gosh, I had forgotten about that number. There were Don't so get me many props. I hated that number. Me and too. it was a quick change. It was just hard. The most stress. Cabaret in a bag, it sounds like. <laughs> Pretty it <was>. much. <laughs> it was. What was that even from? That what was show? A, That was a medley. But of, it was from Bro- Broadway. Uh, but like, Get Me to the Church on Time was the beginning. Like, music, music Man. It was uh, oh, Trouble. Uh, trouble in River City. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was a lot. <laughs> so we kind of talked a little bit about. I, I kind of talked a little bit about professional, and I know that we've kind of experienced some professional jobs in our time as professionals. And I'm curious to hear how teamwork has teamwork from the studio setting has helped us with teamwork into the the professional world. Any examples of that, or any life experiences that come to mind? that, you know, we can help dancers understand why it's important to maintain this mentality of having teamwork as you, you know, progress into adulthood. So even for sure, even if you're progressing to be a teacher, you're not going to be you're not going to stand alone as a teacher. What are you teaching your class that crosses over with another person's syllabus? You have to work together to figure that out. It's I think Teamwork is teamwork, communication, and tra- building trust amongst colleagues is one of the trickiest things to do in a dance studio where you have a hodgepodge of teachers from mm. all sorts of regions who might have different dialects, have different things that they call them. Don't even get me started on tap vocabulary. <laughs> yep. So, you know, I can teach a kid a calypso and they're like, oh, that's a turning tilt jump in Miss Tracy's class. Like that conversation, I've had to have it a million times. And having oh, wow. that conversation is like, okay, do you call this a turning tilt drop or a calypso? What's a calypso to you? How do we get on the same page so we're not confusing our right. students and so that we look professional? We have a right. you know a, a joint right. appearance that we're and it shows to me that you care about your kids and their dance education. I love that example. Yeah, thanks for sure. <laughs> I feel like in the teaching setting, yeah, I know for me, like I was out over you know Thursday, Friday traveling to a competition. So I had to have a sub and my studio owner was like, wow, like, thank you for that was such like great extensive notes that you gave to the other teacher. And, you know, 
her and I had gone back and forth about it. Just like I said, you know, if you have any questions and I think us having that conversation and I know she's an amazing teacher, but just getting on that same page. Mm -hmm. So when she walked in the classroom, she just felt much more comfortable and the kids were able to have that smooth transition. And like Jill said, like with all the different terminology and even too, just if you have a level of dancers and one teacher is saying, okay, let's go progress and right. go to the double turn. But really in my class, we're still working on a single because I don't think it's personally clean enough right. to start to move on. But oh, in so-and-so's class, we're doing forte turns, right. you know? And so I think that we've been having weekly meeting, teacher meetings at a lot of my studios. And I think part of it, again, came from the pandemic. We never did that before, right. but it was just to touch base. And it's actually been really helpful now. We've been keeping those meetings as we've transitioned into back back in studio. And I remember when I would teach in New York, you know, five years ago, we I would go to teach and that was that would be you it. Even see the have studio a teacher owner. meeting like right before recital <laughs> right, right. or something like that. So I think that's really important, like you said, just keeping that connection. And professionally I mean, you know, you would go home and you would practice your dances or or as growing up, I would call my friend Amanda over and we would be practicing, you know, our duos or our trios or our group numbers at home, you know, or we'd go, make, make a time to go to the studio and practice. And I think it's the same thing I, when we would get back to apartments after a long day of rehearsal, right? at the NCL studios and we'd all be going right. over choreography yeah. together, like morning, noon and night, <laughs> we'd wake up and be like, all right, let's go over this before we go to rehearsal today. Right. And I could never have succeeded in a lot of my professional careers if I didn't have help from my roommates or going and working on partnering after hours, if I wasn't getting something. And, you know, yeah. like you said, you know, coming out of, you know, right from competitive to professional, same here. And for me, some of my partnering work was not very good because I had only partnered in ballet. I had never done any other partner work. And I remember my partner on my first contract, he he really, I mean, he dragged me around a lot of times helping <laughs> me, but he would take, he was great. He was older. He knew what he was doing, mm-hmm. but he would take the time to help me because he knew that if I didn't get it, we weren't going to get yeah, it. Yeah, right. Well, a great example. talking about all, all of that, I really started thinking about, you know, the old adage of teamwork makes the dream work, but also mm-hmm. there's something to be said about a team where you're fully aware of where your strengths and weaknesses are, and you're fully aware of where your teammates' strengths and weaknesses are in whatever sense. Mm-hmm. And no, that skill set of being humble enough, one, to know what you're good at and what you're not good at and where you need help and knowing what your colleague or your partner where they're going to shine or they're going to need assistance like that that knowledge that intrapersonal Mm. understanding is that's the that's what the dream for the dreams start working right you have to be able to talk to each other and understand and i think that also stemmed you know that level of self-awareness you have to have it in order to be able to communicate that to other people yeah i think all of those examples are are so good and i really love the the teacher studio um perspective of being on the same page with everyone mm-hmm. i i think that's a perfect example and i know i've been there before you know oh well miss susie teaches heel down for my jazz preparation and i'm over <laughs> here like 
preaching that literally how literally how don't make me try it (laughs) and i'm like over here like uh what why is your heel down and they're like well miss Susie says and i'm like i don't care what miss Susie says (laughs) it's not down you know like having those conflicting views as educators is gonna happen it's and getting on the same page as a studio is super super important and making sure and i loved your example christina of like one teacher's progressing for quicker than the other teacher you know those those are really great examples another example as far as like going into the professional world that kind of goes hand in hand with that is like the chain of command i think with just in a studio setting who's in charge is it your teacher or is it your studio owner who do we go to and how and as as students we need to know what that chain of command is because we kind of talked at the very beginning where there might be a dancer who has an ego and doesn't want to help their teammate learn how to do a double successfully or you know gives them a hard time or acts like they're helping but they're really not i mean things like that they're That dancer is on the same level as everyone else. They're not higher than them just because they're a little bit more advanced. That dancer needs to understand that. And the same thing I've experienced as a professional dancer. In professional shows, most of the time, there's always going to be someone that has a little bit of leverage over you, which is typically called the dance captain in the ensemble. They're your go-to person who then there are people above them as Mm -hmm. well. And there have been people in casts who are not designated as the dance captain who have come to me and given me notes before. And I'm like, shouldn't the note be coming from the dance captain? Like typically the chain of command is if you have a note that you need to give, you go to the dance captain, you give the note, the dance captain relays it to the dancer. That's the chain of command. So, you know, I've experienced it before. And I think that just comes from teamwork. If there's going to be a a person that's difficult to work with, that Mm -hmm. is always complaining, that is never on time, that is just, oh, I can't do that lift. Oh, you want me to do that? Or Courtney's doing that lift wrong. Right. Exactly. Or calling people (laughs) out. I mean, that's an example of teamwork in the professional world where you're going to gain a reputation eventually with people and they're going to be like oh god they are a nightmare to work with i do not want to work with them they did not they were not a team player it really comes down to that we have and we're trying to instill that and teach that with our students and what that chain of command is and how that works as well well and the same goes i think within the studio world when you're looking at hiring staff on the 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 dance world is very small and if Mm -hmm. i been in a performance with you in college and I remember that you're a diva. It's not happening, sister. Like take your road. (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, calling other people that I have had a few other studio owners call me because they know that I have worked with this person in the past. Question number one, do they work well as a teammate? Are they going to be a good addition to my staff? Right. And if I know that person is consistently late or you know, never prepared, I'm going to tell them those things. Yep. You know, they're not, they're not something that's going to strengthen the team that you have or the program that you have. Yep. So take it for what it's worth. But that's my opinion. I would not hire them. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Like put, yeah, flip, yeah, flip the script the and, and decide if that's someone that, that is hireable. I've had a friend actually reach out to me who knows that I've performed with a particular person. And was like, hey, how is this person to work mm-hmm. with? And I was straight up like, I wouldn't hire him. You know, yep. like, sorry about it. But 
I didn't have a good experience with them. That was me. That's my personal opinion. But you asked me for it. And Mm -hmm. it's the sad, honest truth. And people probably don't realize that they're making that impression or that they're, you know, but the thing that's, that's interesting to me, especially when it comes to ego, and I feel like someone with an ego kind of goes hand in hand as like not being a team player, Mm -hmm. is that sometimes those people with egos get handed things to them. You know, like, for example, maybe there's a dancer at a studio that's like one of the best, and then they become the star of the studio, and they get things handed to them a lot. And they get all the solos or all the features or the front center, whatever it is. And then this is building their ego and and building it up. Then they're becoming less of a team player. And then they're going to carry that with them into the real world. And they're not going to understand what rejection is. Or they're not going to understand that you're, we can tell that you have an ego and not in a good way. You can be confident. That's different than having an ego and being a diva. No one wants to work with a diva. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I would rather work with somebody who might be lacking skills, but has grit and humility. Right. Because I know then that they're going to be able to carry their own weight and that I'm not going to have to put them on my back. Mm -hmm. Totally. That's where it boils down to me. Like, yeah, I'll willingly put myself in a position where I know that somebody has weaknesses, but as long as we can be truthful about it and open with each other and like laugh, like, oh, I can't ball change to save my dang life, you know, or whatever (laughs) it is. It's that le- that level of humility is if you don't if you don't have humility or grit, you know, having to persevere over really hard things, that appreciation that your ego is right in your way. Yeah. And I mean, even too in the competitive world and looking at what happens be- behind the scenes, and we're all a part of that, is I had someone make a comment to me this season on crew and said, Wow, I just have to say, like, thank you so much. Like, you guys are so to the judges. You guys are so sweet. Like, you're so so nice. You know, you're checking in on us, and I I've never had that before. Mm. And I was that really like hit my soul. And I was like, what do you mean? And just that sometimes there is in our industry, it happens where the judges are a little bit like, well, I'm on this level. Right. And you're on, you know, you're on a high level and I'm on a high level and you're on a lower level. But at the end of the day, we're all humans and we're all need to work together. And just because I maybe hold a higher title doesn't mean that I have any right to treat anybody differently than how they should be treated. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's definitely happened with behind the scenes at competitions as well. Just you know, like everybody that's running a dance competition from the girl who runs back and forth to the dressing rooms to come get you to the guy who rolls out the Marley and puts the tape on every single one of those people needs to be involved in this making this event happen, mm-hmm. you know, and and the judges are a part of that too. Everybody's a part of it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, even like, you know, we've been saying in the real world, like that's a team, that's teamwork. You, you can't go to a competition without there having been teamwork involved to yep. put it together. Yep. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll hear right. about it if on Facebook and yeah. We sure yeah. will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, God, that's a great point <laughs> as well. Well, lovely guests, this was so good. This was so needed. And I hope to all of our listeners, you've, you've learned a little bit about teamwork. Maybe share this with your dancers if they're not already listening, because it's very important to hear, especially coming from us as your judges and also as your dance teachers. We really look for teamwork 
when we see dancers at competition in a studio and I think that a lot of the advice here that we gave today is is extremely helpful and a good way to move forward into the rest of your season and beyond every season and dance uh, recital and dance competition and dance choreography session really approach it in that team mentality across the board it's going to just make you a better person overall thank you both Christina and Jill for joining us today it was so great to hear from you and how we typically lead out is with a little bit of words of encouragement, any advice, any final thoughts to all of our listeners, to our dancers, to teachers, whoever you'd like to speak to, to lead us out. Just remember that we are all humans and we are all on the same level to start. And in the end, that's the level that we'll all finish at. So just keep that in mind and be humble, be accepting of help if it's coming in the correct form. So if someone is helping you because they genuinely want to help you, and you can tell, you can, you can feel that energy. If someone is genuinely helping you, accept that and thank them and work together to move forward from that point. I think my, there's a lot of things running through my head about pieces of advice, but I got, my piece of advice, particularly for students, is be willing to listen to other things other than what is the running voice that's in your head. You know, whether it's your teacher, whether it's a classmate, whether it's your mom or, you know, anybody else who's involved in your education, you can take everything with a grain of salt. You don't have to take it to heart fully and, you know, fully take on that, that opinion. But there's always a glimmer of truth in feedback and, and feedback is not just something you're going to have in the dance world. It is a thing that's going to be constant in the rest of your life. And good feedback is only going to make you better in the end. We hope you enjoyed this chat all about teamwork. Don't forget to follow our wonderful guests on Instagram. You can find Jill at Jillian Marie TE and Christina at dancing underscore warrior. Have you subscribed to Making the Impact, a dance competition podcast yet? It's easier than a triple pirouette. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Podcasts. If you're looking for extra feedback with a quick turnaround time from an experienced judge, look no further than IDA's online judges critiques. We offer year-round critiques from an IDA judge who will give you detailed feedback to help take your dance to the next level. Our additional feedback critiques not only let you hear your judge, but you also get to see them on your screen as well. Your judge will provide start and stop style feedback, which allows them to go even further than the standard critique you receive at competitions. IDA's online judges critiques offer an affordable way for your dancers to gain valuable insight from a fresh set of eyes. Critiques start at only $35 and will be back in your inbox within four business days. Learn more and send us your dance now at impactdanceadjudicators.com slash online critiques. We can't wait to see your dance. Making the Impact Season 2 has even more great episodes coming your way. Stay subscribed for our upcoming episodes with topics including the April edition of Q&A with Courtney, versatility, and the next Spotlight episode. Thanks so much for joining us for this week's episode. Until next time, keep dancing. Uh-huh.